The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. The Balls and Strikes podcast is brought to you by Elkhorn Training Camp. Let's have some fun and play ball. Here's your host, Tom Oldham. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Balls and Strikes podcast. I am your host, Tom Oldham. I'm joined with Alex Hale and John Oltman. Uh, welcome, guys. And today we are talking about hitting. Um, we have talked about establishing team standards. We've talked about the different types of practice. And now we're really going to deep dive into some practical applications of hitting, not only in a practice setting, um, but also in a game setting. Things to look for as a youth coach. Um, and Alex, I'm going to have you start us off. When you think about a solid youth hitter, what comes to mind? Someone's got good balance, a simple swing, and they swing with intent trying to hit the ball hard. That's so what I see as balance, simple swing and intent. Okay. Mm -hmm. If you have those three things, you're going to be in pretty good shape. Um, fundamental fundamentals and mechanics are, are important as far as not doing something really weird. You know, that's not going to work long term. Um, but I think you can get kids in the right positions. Um, as far as, you know, just being in an athletic stance, hands up, you know, using your hips. One thing I've, done a lot with this you kind of hold their bat as they start their swing and when they start to turn if they're not bringing the bat with them they're dragging that bat back they're going to be late a lot that's when you see a lot of foul balls the other way and just making sure they're bringing that bat with them when they start their swing Um, but those are just some simple things that I look for are they able to be on time if you're able to be on time you can hit and as long as you don't try to lift the ball too much you're gonna be just just fine so when you think about a simple swing, are there different phases of the swing that you, that you talk through with youth hitters? Um, you, you were kind of talking about just then about the hands moving with the body as you, as you turn. But if I'm a, if, if I brought you into my nine new teams practice mm-hmm. and I said, Hey, Alex, I need you to talk about um, hitting with these guys. Oh, I got this. And yeah. yeah so what okay, would you so, do? Sorry. You get everybody in there. You're like, all right, everybody get in athletic position, put your bat on your shoulder. Pick it up. That's about where we're going to be. Check. I would say check your pizza. This is a funny thing. If you've ever had me as a hitting coach, you've heard this. But uh, popcorn pitches are up here. But those are just snacks. Your pizza pitches are down here. So you want to have a little bend in your waist. So I would say I like my pizza a little burnt. So I always got to check the oven. And so that gets it. Because that's, that's where your meals are going to come. I swear, this is what I say. And every kid remembers it. And so they bend at their waist because that's where your meals are going to come down in your strike zone. And that's that upper body tilt. So rather than explaining upper body tilt and balance, I just say check your pizza. And from there, all right, we're going to go step- back to the popcorn real quick. <laughs> okay. So the popcorn is above the pizza. Yeah. So I say, you guys, who likes popcorn? And they all raise their hand. And I say, who likes pizza? And they all raise their hand. And I say, all right, well, your popcorn's up here. So this is a popcorn pitch. It's up high around your shoulders to your head. Um, if you can hit it, great. But if not, that's fine because it's just a snack. Your pizza pitch is going to be down here in the, in the strike zone. That's what we got to have our waist bent so we can check our pizza because I like my pizza a little bit burnt. So I always got to check it. And so I tell them to get down. Because that's where your strikes are going to come. You want to be down there. You don't want to start up and then have to go down to get your pizza because now you're moving the pitch. And so we want to be able to keep our eyes level. 
And so that's where I start. But that's kind of a funny way to explain it. I came up with that seven years ago and been <laughs> using it ever since. I'm um, totally stealing that. Absolutely. Please take, please take it. Um, when the pitcher releases the balls and we're going to step, and when we step, we want to make sure our weight's on our back leg. To check on that, we'll, we vary timing on front toss um, to make sure they're not lunging at the ball. Really a big thing is making mm. sure hitters understand to hit the ball when it gets like a little deeper in their stance. So we'll flip them balls, have them catch it with their backhand, which is just the old Barry Bonds drill. Um, we'll have guys hit off a high tee with the ball just off their inside of their front foot, which is the Mike Trout warm-up. Um, when you get up to higher levels in high school kids, you can do like side kind of angled bp where you go middle the other way. But um, for younger kids, just keeping it real simple, trying to hit the ball hard back up the middle. Um, and sit on a bucket if you're going to throw to them because if they're eight and nine and you're standing up, you look like Randy Johnson. So when they're younger, sit on a bucket when you throw BP. It'll give them a better, more realistic angle to what they're going to see. And then the last tip I have for – this is just a tip for coaches. If you want your kids to go hit, don't hit much at practice because if you hit a lot at practice, even if you don't hit a lot because you're going to go to practice, you're going to have the whole team try to hit BP. You're going to get seven to 14 swings – and, or even if you have side groups, you're going to get maybe 30 to 40 swings. If you don't do that all the time, you focus on playing catch, defense, base running, the bigger things in the game, your kids will go hit on their own because they know they didn't hit at practice, which is kind of a cheat oh, that's code interesting. thing. It's kind of a cheat code thing because the parents are like, well, they haven't hit at practice. Oh, we got to take them to the batting cage. Well, yeah, he's going to get 200 swings at the batting cage. And that's when kids who are going to hit, if you want to hit, you got to hit on your own. The 7 to 14 swings you get at practice is not going to make you a hitter. So we don't even really waste time with it. I mean, we'll do like BP rounds if we do like a reaver BP or we do like a situational BP, but you're only getting 12 swings max and it's, it's goes fast. We're focused more on the, the fielding and the base running part of it. Um, so, so, so let's, let's segment out youth hitters. Okay. Let's say eight to 10 year olds and 11 to 13 year olds. Mm-hmm. Are you doing anything different with those two groups? So with, Eight to ten, we're really focused on uh, balance and bat path. Uh, I'd give them like a heavier bat to teach them how to use their bigger muscles to start their swing. I think that's the big thing is getting because these kids get these little bats and they're like drop fourteens and you know, drop tens, and it's <laughs> like they can swing them with their arms, so they're going to swing them with their arms. But then I can give them a thirty-two ounce bat, and they'll get it around way better than people think. And so it's like, yeah. When you ha- your bat should always feel a little big and a little heavy. And so, because you're one, they're going to grow into it. But two, you're going to use your bigger muscles to start your swing, and then you're going to be a better hitter anyway. So making sure that 8 to 10, they're using their body to start their swing. At 11 to 14, you really got to expand into balance uh, because they start seeing breaking balls. They start seeing change-ups more, and they're yep. not going to be on time for everything. If you have a kid who's swinging up, and I tell guys, look, we're not playing cricket. You don't have a paddle. You don't need to swing up to hit the ball up. If you're on time, the ball's going to go up. And so teaching kids that we're not trying to cut through the ball and have it go up is, is a huge thing to, figure, to get them to figure out. And they realize it once they see it work. But when they only have 14 to 15 swings of practice, they're just going to try to lift the ball because that makes sense. But then when they try to lift it and they roll over the top of it and it goes in the ground – well, I must not have lifted it enough. So now I got to lift more. And it's like the second you see any velocity, you're, you're going to be frustrated and it's not going to work. So, so T front toss live BP. 
how are you, are you using all three? Are you focusing on one more than another? So we do, what are, what are your we'll, we start with high T because um, that gives us a chance to kind of warm up our swing, make sure our top hand's getting through the ball. We'll go to kind of a soft toss side toss uh, that I picked up from a couple of hitting guys I, I saw honestly on like Instagram where they like will throw the ball at the guy instead of like soft tossing it. So if you don't hit it, the ball hits you and that creates urgency, which is really weird, but I've been doing it for probably two months now and it's amazingly effective. Um, you kind of like front toss it underhand at them and they have to get the bat around or it hits them. And I haven't hit a kid yet, so that's been good, but <laughs> it creates urgency <laughs> right away. Um, Cause then they get in the mode of I'm going to swing. And that's what I like about it. I'm going to swing. So it's a matter of reacting to the ball. Not let me see the pitch. Okay. It's in the, it's in the strike zone. Then I go. Cause that's when you're going to be late all the time. So making sure we do that. Um, then we do front toss. We go from different angles. I'll bounce balls. I'll do bounce toss. Cause then you can go harder bounce, which is the old Ichiro drill, making sure your bat paths good to the ball. You can bounce it high to where they have to wait for it, which is more of a breaking ball drill. Um, and then I'll throw sitting on a bucket um, from either an angle, which is like the Vladimir Guerrero Jr. drill, and basically all my drills are stolen from major leaguers. But that's I, once you kind of see how it, it works with kids' swings, you figure out what kid needs, needs which drill. But high tee, front toss, side toss at an angle, and then sitting BP really gets you into a good spot. I mean, from there, you're going to be able to do a lot of things. So... Live BP no, that's- is not going to be something I can do every single day effectively. Like, I can't get up there and throw 250 pitches firmly the way I want to and be effective the next day. And, you know, I'm not going to be able to do that every single day. So we got to figure out how can we make this work for our 25 guys to where they're getting the most out of it. And li- live BP isn't usually the answer. I'm going to tell you that right now. It's super inefficient unless you're playing at Creighton. And you got the most choreographed BP session in the whole world, which is still a feat I've never been able to recreate. You need like six coaches. <laughs> you need like 10 POs. Like you need guys moving stuff behind the scenes. So most teams aren't like that. So you like live BP on the field, I think it's a huge waste of time. So as a youth coach, how do you create a consistent approach at the plate or uh, a consistent intent? Because what I have seen at the, the young youth levels is that you you have two ends of the spectrum. You've got guys who are super cautious and barely swing. Yep. And you've got guys that just swing out of their shoes, swing up like crazy and are just trying to to lift the ball. So how do you create a good consistent approach at the plate? Let them fail. Let them succeed and let them fail because you can't change what's going to happen like until they start to see the consequence. You have to have an incentive. And if the incentive is moving up and down the lineup, depending on how they're hitting, because unfortunately at eight and nine, I had one kid who was like a genius and he's, he ended up playing in college, but he realized really quick that his on-base percentage was faster, was, was higher if he didn't swing at eight U and he was right. (laughs) And so, but trying to explain to him that that wasn't making him a better hitter. He was like, yeah, I get that. But like, I want to get on base. And I was like, okay, man, teach their own. But uh, it's, it, it, you got to get them you know, to buy into, we're going to be aggressive. I'm not going to yell at you when you're aggressive. I want you swinging and missing is okay. When I would get new kids on my eight, nine-year teams, they would swing and miss or they'd take a pitch and they'd look at me and their eyes would be big. And I'd be like, what, what do you want me to do? And they were kind of like, oh, you're not going to like react. And I was like, no, nah, man, keep swinging. Keep, keep trying. Like you're okay. 
One strikeout, doesn't bother me. Two strikeouts, doesn't bother me. Three strikeouts, doesn't bother me, but we're going to talk about it later. <laughs> like, you know, you get to a point where it's like, okay, we're going to work on stuff, but all that stuff's going to happen. And getting yeah. fired up when they hit a ball hard and they get out, get fired up for them. Like, really hammer the positive things. And talking to other, talk to your parents as, as a coach. If you're a youth coach, talk to your parents about if you're not going to say anything positive, if you're, keep your mouth shut. Because if they yeah. start yelling instruction, it does not matter how good of a relationship I have with the player, they're going to hear mom or dad. They will always hear mom or dad over me. I still heard my mom in the stands when I played in A-ball. Like, I could still hear her voice out of everybody. We sold out at Lowell. Like, it, you can just, they know their mom and dad's voice. When, they, yep. when you get That's them to so stop looking into the stands and just focus on the game, as a coach, you're winning. You're winning the game of what you're trying to do. So being yeah, super and, relentlessly positive would be my last thing. Relentlessly positive with hitters have to be. Yeah. And I think coaches, one of the things, you know, if you, if you played baseball, you understand when you're in the box, you, you really can only focus on one thing. Uh, you, you can't be focusing on well, what the pitcher's throwing and then also what your coach is saying. And then what Alex was saying in terms of your, you know, now we're hearing mom and dad in the stands too. So this may be one of the toughest things as a coach where you want to give that feedback in between each pitch. And I will say that keeping your mouth shut in between each pitch is so much more beneficial. There is a time and a place to talk to the player um, about what happened, but it's not when the counts one and two or oh and one or two and oh or whatever it may be. Um, so I appreciate you you pointing that out because I think that's one of the things as coaches, we always feel like we need to be saying something. And uh, in terms of hitting development, especially at the youth level, being quiet in a game situation is really, really important. Um, that way that they can focus on, you know, their their intent, their their basically what they want to do with this this next pitch. You kept um, everything you said, John. To, any, if you kept, sorry, if you kept everything to good job, swing hard, clap your hands three times or whatever, like to encourage him, and you'd be just fine as a third absolutely. base coach. As a third base absolutely. coach, at youth level, youth level, that's all you need. John, what have we missed in terms of hitting tips for youth coaches? I'm a pitching guy, so it's really easy for me to be positive because I'm not. I know myself well enough to know that I don't need to tell someone how to change their swing in the middle of an at-bat or even in between at-bats because what good is that going to do coming from, from me? Um, the one thing I, I stress with players, like let's say they come off, maybe they just struck out or maybe they, they failed at the plate. I always like to ask them just what were you trying to do with your at-bat? Um, and I think it's, yeah. it, at the youth level you can start to talk about an approach and – how the situation can dictate what you need to do as a hitter in order to do your job. Um, I have an example of a kid who came, I, he played for me last year, and he struck out like eight or nine times in a row just to start his career for me or start his year. And I was talking to him, I was like, what, what's your plan at the plate? And he's like, you know what, I don't really have one. He's like, I never really practiced having an approach. And so we just really talked about, okay, in this situation, you don't have to hit a line drive off the wall, you know, run around second, no outs, just try and move a guy, you know, just hit one to the right side, see what happens. And once he started doing that, you know, he was really, really successful. And so I think just starting to talk through some of those situations with 
youth players and just helping them understand the game, kind of similar to what we talked about in situational practice um, and helping them understand what success looks like. A success is not always a hit. You know, success it could be moving a runner, driving a guy in, taking a walk when you need one. Um, and then if you start to reward those things and you talk about it and you practice it um, and they understand that that's what success is, then I think they'll find it more enjoyable. You'll find it more enjoyable and they'll learn the game and they'll be better for it. So those are the things that I really hammer on, you know, as a non-hitting guy. Um, just having a pl- have an approach, have a plan, get a good pitch to hit. Um, know who you are as a hitter. I think that's really important too. Um, at the youth level, it's a little different because they're still growing and they, you know, who they are at 10 might be different at 14. Mm-hmm. Um, but especially when they get to the high school level, you know, if you're 5'8", 135 pounds, you're not going to be the same guy that's hitting three hole that's 6'2", you know, 200 pounds. So, just so those are some really basic things that you can help hitters start to understand themselves and understand what the game is providing for them that will help them be successful. With all the stuff we have now with, like, I'm not going to say analytics because I'm not getting into that yet, but I'm saying, like, everybody has their game changer, like, for their scorekeeping books, and it'll keep your, your stats or whatever, quote, quote, stats. What do you guys look for as – I always think of quality at bats is one of my favorite things they track where – and we'll keep hard hit average, but I have to, I mean, I have to keep it, but like, what are some things that you guys look for? I would say that's one of them called the at bats and just understanding what the situation is. And, you know, did they, did you do your job in that moment? You know, cause there's so many things that we can't control, whether it's a pitcher, hitter, fielder, where if I did my job and I did what I could control, then that's, then that's success in my book. And if we see that that's success, then, then I think we have to be happy with that result. Um, sometimes they line out, you know, and that's, that's, I don't even know, is that count as the quality of bat if a line out to me? And so that's why I have the hard hit, uh, average okay. too. So we like, I'll keep a hard hit average on balls in play and just, I keep that myself and then I keep quality at bats so it can, so I can look at that rather than, cause you'll have guys, guys will have a 500 average or, you know, whatever, 450 with no RBIs, no, you know, right. no extra base hits. And it's like, okay, well, how much is that helping us versus the guy who's hitting, 290 who's leading our team in RBIs because he's situational because when the guys are on second and third, he doesn't only swing at a ball. He can drive. He can, if he's like, if I can get a barrel on, if I can handle a pitch, I'm going to get that run in. Um, Cause those guys are the ones who are going to keep your team winning. So understanding those, the importance of that is huge. Yeah. And I, I really don't like to talk about stats with um, my players at all, because to me, and, and maybe I'm biased here, but when you are playing and if things are going well, you're rarely looking at stats. Well, so I'm saying for coaches, you know things. I'm saying for coaches though, I wouldn't talk to my players about their stats. Yeah. But I mean, even, even for coaches, like I know whether or not a player is doing well or not, you know what I mean? It, it would be, let's say a player is doing well, me going back to their stats is going to be just something I already know. Right. But if a player isn't playing well, and then I'm going to look at stats, well, what am I looking for? I'm probably trying to find a little nugget for positivity for, for that player. So that's where, you know, this is a terrible answer to your, to your question, but I really don't focus on any, any particular stat. And maybe it's because of the, the age group that I'm coaching right now, but I don't want them to put that specific stat on a pedestal. Um, because it really just doesn't. Um... So you might want to start thinking about it, though, because if you have Game Changer, 
people are going to have access to the stats. Somebody will, and somebody or somebody will find out the stats, and then they're going to try to use those to justify. Well, why isn't my kid playing? Because he's doing this and this and this. So, I if you beat him to the punch in a way and say, well, here are some things that we look at that we value, that can kind of try to help you build your case for when it when the parents come down on you. That's a good point. No, that is a good point. It's unfortunate, but it I, you, it, it helps. It helps. One thing I always no, I, explain to kids. It's called I call it the paradox of the product goal. And I, should, I didn't come up with this. I read about it. But Wait, say that again. The paradox. You're, you're way smarter than I am. So that was a lot. I'm going to write slowly. that down. <laughs> you got to talk slowly. Okay. Paradox of the product goal. So like a product goal would be like a hit, right? Your batting average is a product goal because it's something that happens as a result of what you did. and You really can't control it. But yep. what's interesting about that is the more you think about your product goals during competition, typically the further you get away from them. So, and I know this is true for me because I've experienced it where when you're thinking about your batting average, mm-hmm. you do worse. Like it's just, it, it always works no, out so that true. way. So I always try to explain to kids and the paradox of the product goal is kind of something that they can remember. Um, but the more you're thinking about these results, the further you're going to get from them. So let's not focus on that. Let's focus on, you know, quality at bats, hard hit percentage, those sorts of things. Did I get a good pitch to hit? Did I do my job in that situation? And typically, once we focus on that, those process things, now the product goals are where we want them to be. And so I think it's really important just to educate people on that and educate your players on how that works because it's so easy to fall into that trap. I did it as a player. I think everyone does it at some point in their career. And even as a coach, you kind of fall into that trap. So it's just something That's to think really about good. you know, when you're coaching your players. The paradox of a product goal. That's Alex. This is why we call him the professor. I wrote it down. I, I just put it in my notes. I got that forever now. I'm going to drop that. Whenever somebody. you hang out with John, you always need to make sure that you have a notebook mm-hmm. or a tape recorder. We've got this guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I feel like we would re- be remiss if we didn't talk about all of the drills that you see on Twitter and social media around hitting since we're on the topic of, of hitting. Mm-hmm. And I haven't heard either of you talk about any of these specific drills. And before I throw it over to you guys, my specific um, feedback on that is a lot of those are to get clicks in social media and, and to, to really have it be, it seems like they're getting weirder and weirder. Mm -hmm. And in my opinion, what I've seen 90 plus percent of them don't play out in a game scenario. And as a, as a pitcher and a pitching coach, a lot of these drills, it's like, Oh, you want to focus on that as a hitter. Great. Because then it's going to be easier for our pitchers to get you out. Mm -hmm. Um, But what would you say to youth coaches? Because again, a lot of these coaches are dads that do not have your, your guys' playing experience. So they're going out to YouTube. They're going out to Twitter. They're, they're searching, hitting Twitter for these gurus and looking for specific drills to fill their practice plans with. So um, what would you say to the coach that's going out to YouTube or Twitter to find hitting drills? Is it the exception of the rule? And is it keeping it simple? Because if you're, if you're, let's say you're, you have kids who've played before, you say you coach 11, you 12, you you have kids who've been doing it up to that point. So if you try to in, introduce something radically different to what they are all doing, how do you think that's going to go? 
how is that? I mean, yeah. just common sense says that's probably not going to go great. Okay. So from that standpoint of, am I keeping it simple? Is this feasible for me to teach? If a kid has a question on it, can I tell them anything about it? And so from a fundamental standpoint, that's where I would start. Keep it simple. Stick with what you know. And if you can, you can introduce drills that kids can learn to do that will make them more balanced. That's what I always call like swing manipulation. You don't have to necessarily tell a kid how to do it. Can you, can you do this drill? Okay. Now can you do this next drill? Now can you do this drill? And as you progress, they will slowly figure things out. Now you'll run into situations where a kid will do something and they're okay at most of the drills, but they'll do something where you're like, that is not going to work. If I, if I back up and throw to them, they're just going to get super frustrated or super, you know, humiliated. Right. Well, now we have to change this. So there are some drills that I've seen on Twitter. Where I'm like, why would you do that? And then, or I see on Instagram or whatever. And then I'll, f- I'll find a situation four months down the road where I'm like, Oh, this is a situation where that works. Okay. But if I would have taken that and tried to do it with every kid, I would have, it would have totally messed them up. And that's why I don't try to teach a cookie cutter way to hit. It's like, are you moving? Well, can you hit varied speeds? Can you, are you tracking the ball? Are you balanced? Are you swinging with intent? Like, okay, if we're doing those things, if we're on time for fastballs, cool. Now we're, now let's keep going from there. But with kids, man, you got to really keep it simple. And I think that's with all this stuff. If you keep it simple, focus on the fundamentals, playing catch, hit the ball hard, run fast, hustle everywhere. You're going to be in good shape. So you got to be careful with drills. And if you don't understand it, don't do it. Yeah, that's a great way to think about it. And one of the things that I always talk to youth coaches about is if you're thinking about drills, think about things that you would do in a cage right before a game in season. Mm -hmm. And if that drill isn't, isn't something that you would take with you into the season and do right before a game, it's probably not going to serve you very well in the off season. Um, So uh, just something else to consider there. So This was our hitting topic. We are going to be covering many more topics in future episodes. So uh, please join us. Guys, thanks again. Thank you.